So 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting their own hus- to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Would you join me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we, we come before you uh, this morning, uh, having just heard uh, your word read, and we ask, Lord, that you would um, help us to, to hear and to understand as we walk through this together, as we unpack this together. Uh, we ask that um, you, Holy Spirit, would, would speak through me and in spite of me. We ask that you would help us to, to hear from you and that you would help us to be, um, to be individuals, to be husbands, to be wives, who, who live to honor you and, and to glorify you. So we ask that you be here now. We ask that you uh, work in our hearts and uh, shape us and mold us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> if you are uh, just joining us today for the first time, uh, we... We are, are currently in a series uh, in the books of First Peter and Second Peter. Uh, we, we, we hold dearly to the truth of God's word here at Aerosmith. I uh, believe that it is God's living and, and active word and that all of it is, is applicable for us today. And so uh, for that reason, we most of the time walk through books of the Bible so that we don't uh, omit anything in Scripture and so that we're continually shaped and changed and transformed by, by God's word, the totality uh, of God and his word. Uh, and and as, as we're walking through First uh, Peter right now, uh, we, we come to our text today having just uh, looked at our text last week. Uh, our, our text last week, we, we, we saw uh, submission as the, the common theme throughout our text last week. Uh, we saw last week that uh, as God's people were we're to be subject, uh, first and foremost, to God himself. We submit to him. And we also submit to the government and the leaders and the authorities that God uh, puts over us uh, as Christians. And also that we uh, submit to, we're subject to, uh, our masters, our employers, to those that we, we work for. And we saw this last week. We saw how this, this, this works out. We saw that we do so so that uh, we are witnesses shining brightly for Jesus Christ, living faithfully to him and honoring him and glorifying him. Uh, and we saw that, that the ground of our, our, our submission comes in the example of Jesus Christ, who willingly submitted himself to, to the Father's plan to, to come to earth and to come as a man, truly man, truly God, to go to the cross on our behalf to take all of our sin all the punishment we deserve upon himself. And he died the death that we deserve to die and rose victoriously 
from the dead. And so that when we trust in Him, our great and mighty God who submitted Himself to this plan, we're given life and salvation in Christ and we're given His Spirit that helps us to live out these truths. And so we saw some of those things last week and as we come to our text today, we see um, the theme of submission continuing on in our text. And this is, again, a wildly popular topic, isn't it? (laughs) It's so convenient how our lead pastor is away today. (laughs) A super popular topic. But this this, this topic of of submission in the home is what we're looking at today. Uh, What was actually a a, a widely uh, accepted and embraced for nearly 2,000 years of church history. It's really only been since the second wave of feminism in the 60s, which lasted for 20 years into the 80s, did did teachings such as this come under fire, come under attack, come to be rejected, come to be neglected and and attempted to be explained away. Uh, We we, we come to this text living in that that context of uh, this being an unpopular, not well-received. I mean, it's as well-received as the old my finger in an elevator kind of a trick. It's the attitudes, the the themes of submission and humility are seen as as weaknesses in our culture rather than seen as positive character traits that God puts forth uh, in in his scriptures. And so that's what we're stepping into today. And uh, as we walk through this, um, there's obviously tons more that could be said than what we'll even walk through. Um, many people obviously have entire sermon series and books, book series on how we live together as, as husbands and wives to honor and glorify God. But as we walk through our text today, I, I pray that, that what sticks out to us in carrying with our theme last week of we, we submit so that we're, we're able to shine brightly for Christ, we're able to be witnesses for Christ. I pray that as we walk through our passage today, we'll see that, that God wants our marriages to make much of him. He wants our marriages to, to point to him, to, to give glory and to give honor to him, to shine for him. And so we'll be talking specifically about wives and about husbands, uh, but I do ask that, that singles, you don't tune out. Um, singles, unmarried, uh, young people or older people, um, don't tune out. Because uh, we, we need to learn and to grow together before stepping into marriage. Amen? When we build a home, George, we don't just call the lumber yard and say, whatever you have, just bring it and I'll make my plans accordingly, do we? We have a plan in place before we start building a home. And so, so, so if you're unmarried, pay attention so that God can, can shape your heart so that you can have a plan in place of how to honor uh, and glorify him. Uh, Widows, widowers, uh, divorced for whatever reason, don't tune out either. We, we want to, uh, you to pay attention, to, to learn with us and grow with us because we want to learn from you too. Uh, we, we talk about this at young adults sometimes, that we, we love being a part of a multi-generational church because we want to learn from you guys. We want to learn from your mistakes. We want to learn from the, from the good things you've done uh, as well. But we want to learn from you. So please pay attention so we can ask you hard and difficult questions of how to live to honor and glorify God. 
So as we come to our text, we, we do come right away, verses 1 and 2. Uh, I'll, I'll read those two verses for us again as we, we jump into this. We read there, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. And so we see as we come to our text again this connecting word uh, of likewise. After, after just, the, just addressing um, our, our lives as uh, uh, our civic duty, our lives in, as in our submission to the government, and then also our lives in submission to our masters, to our employers, we see the, the continuation of, of the argument that God is giving us. So he's continuing on by addressing specifically wives, be subject to your own husbands. And, and, and ladies, please be encouraged right away says, be subject, submit to your own husbands, right? Does he say to submit to anyone's husband? To submit to all men? No, to your own husbands. God has your husband in store for you uh, to submit to. God wants and desires for wives to submit to uh, their own husbands. And this word uh, submit, this, this Greek word is uh, hupotasso. It does mean be subject to, which the ESV translates literally means be subject to, be uh, subordinate to, or to obey. Kind of the three, the three meanings that this, this word carries forth in the Greek. And um, the bideg, or the, the, the definitive lexicon, uh, uh, Greek lexicon of the, the New Testament, says that in this regard that submission involves recognition of an ordered structure. Submission involves recognition of an ordered structure. And so the point, the point here in, in submission is leadership. The point is leadership. We, we know that as believers, God is our, our ultimate leader. Amen? We submit to God. Even as we saw last week, if, if government or our employers uh, call us to, to do that which disobeys God, we first and foremost submit to God. Amen? And the same is true for wives in, in, in the marriage relationship as well. But first and foremost, we submit to, to God as our leader. We submit to government as our leaders, our employers as our leaders. And we see here that in the home, wives are, are to submit to the authority, to the leadership of, of husbands in the home. That's what God calls, calls wives to. And when those things are upside down, things fall apart. When things like that are upside down, things fall apart. I mean, I have uh, um, kids at home. You think of how wives are, are called to submit to their husbands and children, you know, are to submit to their parents, right? If, if those things are upside down in our house, we have four kids and a fifth on the way, life's going to be disarray, isn't it? <laughs> Life's going to be in disarray. We would have donuts every single morning for breakfast. We'd have popsicles for lunch, ice cream for dinner, and we'd watch cartoons all day. <laughs> Life would be in, in, in disarray. And so there, there's an order. There's, there's a particular order of, of leadership that God has in mind. And the, the reality is we all submit to someone. Amen? We all submit to someone. And it's not a mutual submission, though. As parents, we don't submit to our kids, right? That would go awry. As, as employees, we don't, or as employers, we don't submit to our employees, right? 
How awkward would that be if, if an employee is telling an employer what to do, how to act, how to live? And the same is true in the leadership role in the home. God has wives to submit to, to subject to um, the authority, the leadership of, of their husbands in the home. And brothers and sisters, as we think about this again in terms of context of our, our, our marriages being a witness, being on display for the glory of God, the enemy would love nothing more than for our marriages to be in absolute disorder. Amen? He would love for that to be the case. Our witness to the world would be, would be lacking, would be shattered if we were not living in order in a way that honors God, in a way that God has put forth for us in his word. God has a particular order in line so that we would shine brightly for him. And wives, God wants you to submit and for husbands to lovingly lead, but that submission is voluntary submission. It's a voluntary submission. Husbands, it's not our responsibility or our role to enforce submission. It's not our place. As we continue on in our, in our verses here, it's even in verse 1, we see God calls wives to be subject to their own husband, husbands so that even those who have unbelieving husbands might come to saving faith. As we, as we walk through our text, we see that this, this applies to, to all wives, wives who are married to believers or unbelievers. There's a particular note here for, for wives of unbelieving husbands that, that you would be respectful, that you would be of pure conduct so that maybe your unbelieving husband might come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. By watching the way you live, by, by, by seeing your manner of life as being different, by not, by not filling uh, um, the air with, with cutting comments, by not being confrontational in spirit, you can be a witness to your unbelieving husband. And yes, this is a difficult place to be, right? It's a difficult place to be. But God can use this to possibly draw an unbelieving husband to saving faith. Um, I've seen that happen in people's lives, and probably the one that we... We know of uh, most uh, prominently would be Lee Strobel. Remember Lee Strobel who wrote the book, The Case for Christ? Uh, when, when, when he married his wife, they were both unbelievers. And, and, and Lee Strobel's wife came to faith uh, uh, earlier on in their marriage. And uh, she, she lived in a way that, that was changed by Jesus and the, the Holy Spirit working in her and lived faithfully for Christ in that her way of life won over Lee Strobel. Her way of life caused him to, to dig into this man who was an atheist, to dig into whether this God is real. And so it sparked his journey to, to dig into um, what scholars were saying about the truth of who God is. And, and we know, praise God, he came to saving faith. Amen? And that can happen. God calls believing wives to submit to even their unbelieving husbands so that maybe they would come to saving faith in him. And as we, we, we see this in our, our text, I uh, just want to take a side note, just, just as a reminder, folks, that we, this doesn't mean we, as believers, are permitted to marry unbelievers. We see the truth of that throughout all of Scripture. We see that in the Old Testament to, to not marry outside of the household of faith. We see in the New Testament to not, not marry unbelievers, to not be unequally yoked. 
But we do see that there are instances where, where sometimes that happens. And in, in, in the case of Lee Strobel, both were unbelievers before marriage, and one came to faith. I mean, I'm sure that happens in cases of arranged marriages, that would, which would have been common in the ancient world here, but still is common in some parts of the world today. Or it could be common in, in instances where husband and wife thought they were believers. But then throughout the course of time, God changed their hearts to realize they really weren't yet. But it's not, it's not condoning to marry an unbeliever. Don't marry an unbeliever. <laughs> marry one who loves Jesus Christ and lives for Christ so that your marriage would shine brightly for God, so that your marriage would draw uh, attention to him. Uh, verses 3 through 4, look at those together too. We see uh, verses 3 through 4, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. And as we see these verses, the question to, to ask ourselves is, what are, we, what are we preoccupied with? What are we, what are we paying attention to? The, the, what's internal or, or what's external? What, do we, what are we obsessed with? If we're obsessed with what's uh, external, we're really no different than the world, are we? I mean, we see this all around us. You can turn on the TV. How many commercials are beauty products? How many commercials are uh, of, of the, the latest clothes that you need to get or, or the car to have or the perfect physique you could have? Right? We see this magazine aisles littered with, with such images. The, our, our culture is filled with this. And the social media gurus that are constantly followed are those who have this perception of a perfect, perfect image. But God says not to be preoccupied with those things. To be preoccupied with what's in the heart. To not be focused merely on external, but on the internal. And God obviously is not... Um, uh, um, doing away with and saying it's wrong to get dressed up. <laughs> He's not saying it's wrong to, to do your hair. It's not wrong to wear jewelry. It's not wrong to wear clothing. Amen? Yeah, I mean, if, if you read this and people take it that way, you have to, you have to follow the argument that way, right? But God's not, permitting, or God's, God's, God's not uh, doing away with, with getting dressed up and in your hair. The, the point is, what are we preoccupied with, ladies? Are we focused on our external appearances, or are we focusing on the, uh, the, our heart? And what we see in our text is what's beautiful to God, and what's beautiful to a man who's pursuing God is his wife's character. And we see in our text that, that what's beautiful is that she's of a gentle and quiet spirit. And again, this doesn't mean that, that wives don't speak, Right? It doesn't mean that wives are supposed to uh, shut up and sit down. It doesn't mean they're not, they're not allowed to influence their husbands. That's not the point of what's, what's being addressed here. The point is that she be, she be humble. The point is that a godly wife has actions and, and reactions to her husband that aren't explosive, that aren't condemning, that aren't demanding. Rather to have a character to her husband and to God that's it's precious and gentle and humble. 
And this, this heart character, this heart quality, as we see in our text, is, is what's imperishable. In the evening, the makeup comes off, doesn't it? The hairdo comes undone. The sweatpants get thrown on, don't they? <laughs> that external fades away. It perishes. But, but, but our heart, ladies' character, is imperishable. That character that's, that's shaped by Jesus Christ, that, that the Holy Spirit's working in so that you're, you're sweet and gentle, humble, that honors God, that honors Him and makes Him known. Such a heart should be on display for Jesus Christ. This kind of heart draws attention to our great God. It's verses 5 and 6, if you look there uh, with me, we see, For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. And so this, this ever-popular topic of submission we see is, is grounded in history. Grounded in history, one of, one of the one of the main arguments that we'll we'll hear um, from from those who who oppose such teachings are that this these specific words were given to a specific people in a specific context at a specific time and therefore don't apply to us today. But as we read scripture, we see that that that's not the case. I mean, even First Timothy two and talks about the roles of, of men and women grounds it in the fact that that Adam was created first and not Eve. And we see here that God's again pointing back to history. He's pointing back to the reality that, that, that long ago, Sarah was this woman. Sarah submitted to Abraham. Sarah was one who, who had a, a gentle and, and quiet spirit, who, who submitted to her husband, and she called him, as we see here, Lord. This, this Lord is, is an expression of submission that, that the ancients, as they read this, would have totally understood. And so God's, God's showing us that this isn't just for uh, the, the specific people that, that Peter's talking to, but, but this is the truth of God all throughout history. That, that this, is, this is a wife that honors God. This is a wife that draws uh, attention to God. And we see at the end of, uh, of verse 6, to do not fear anything that is frightening. And this seems kind of out of place, in a way, until we think back to uh, verse 1, if we remember the specific uh, address to unbelieving wives, to, to submit to their own husbands, uh, so that maybe they would win them to saving faith. It could be a fearful thing for a believing wife to submit to her unbelieving husband, wouldn't it? An unbelieving husband could, could very well be, be harsh, could be, could be rough. But, but God's, God's trying to encourage wives in that situation to, to not fear. Uh, just as uh, we, we're called to fear God, we're not called to fear people. And the encouragement is, is to, um, to not fear people even in the midst of possible or even persecution that God might have you walking through. Um, this is a hard truth, again, right? A hard truth. Set your hope in God rather than the, the specific circumstance that you might be walking through. 
to, to not fear people, but to fear God, to live faithfully to Him so that your life would be on display uh, to, for Jesus Christ, uh, to honor Him and to glorify Him. In our, our last verse, verse 7, we read again there, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. And we, we see uh, in our text, too, that husbands aren't let off the hook, right? Husbands are not uh, let off the hook. The, the likewise, again, points to a new group that's being addressed, just as uh, masters or servants were, just as we were in our civil government, just as wives were, were just addressed. Husbands are also addressed here. And we see in this verse that husbands are to submit to the loving duty to be sensitive to their wives. To be sensitive to their wives. To be sensitive to their needs. To be sensitive to, to, to our wives' fears, to our wives' feelings. And then we're not to be domineering. Not to be aggressive. And the flip side, not to be passive, right? We're not to be domineering. We're not to be aggressive. We're not to be barking orders. We're not to be rough or mean or demanding or inconsiderate or harsh. Not to abuse our wives. Abuse is never allowed. Abuse is unacceptable. Not to treat our wives like doormats, men. Amen? Amen. The men were also not to be aggressive, but also not to be passive deadbeats, right? We're not. We're not called by God to, to avoid our wives and to go hide out in our man cave. We're not called by God to, to avoid spending time with our wives and go piddle in the garage. We're not called to do that. We're called to be fully invested in caring for our wives and even as we see here, to, to live with our wives in an understanding way. The only way to understand our wives, guys, is to spend time with them, right? The only way to, to study them and to know them well is to, to give them the time and the energy that they need. We, we study our wives so that we can understand them, so we can understand how to care, so we can understand how to love, so we can understand how to protect we give them our, our, our attention, our time, and our energy so we know, we know their strengths, we know their weaknesses, we know what makes them ha- happy, what makes them sad. We spend time with them. And we see in our text too, there, uh, to show honor to uh, the woman, our wife, as the weaker vessel. And, and notice how it says weaker and not weak, Right? Amen, ladies? <laughs> Weaker. We're all weak, aren't we? We're all weak and frail people. We're all weak people, definitely in need of a Savior, in need of Jesus Christ. But women are referred to as the weaker vessel men, and so we, we, we show honor to them as the weaker vessel. And this, this weaker doesn't have to do with um, intellectual strength, right? <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> said, from ex- huh? said from experience, that's right. Ladies also aren't weaker uh, emotionally either. What's in mind here is, is weaker physically. 
And that, and that the reality is that uh, in most cases, men are physically stronger than, men, than, than women. Men are physically stronger than women. I mean, ladies, who do you call when you can't get the jar open? <laughs> right? But, but just also so, some, some current uh, events that, that prove that this is true too. Um, there, I just read an article about a month ago of um, a group of high school girls in Connecticut. And um, they, they're on the track team, they're high school, um, and, and they are, um, which we wouldn't agree with, but they are supportive of their transgender friends and transgender people. However, they have come out uh, crying foul that, that at every track meet, it's unfair that there are, there are two individual transgender people who constantly come out first and second place. And so the girls themselves are always vying for third place. There's a strength there in men, isn't there? there there's, a, there's an individual in, in Australia, a transgendered individual, who uh, after being on the men's rugby team is now on the women's rugby team and is clean in house, which we would expect, wouldn't we? Even, even an unbelieving world sees how, how this, is, this plays out, that, that in general, men are physically stronger than women. I mean, when you hear a bump in the night, men, do you send your wife to go check it out? <laughs> oh, no, I hope not. <laughs> Let's talk uh, at the end of this. <laughs> no, right? We don't send our ladies to go to go check out what the noise was, do we? And we grab our baseball bat and head out and look, right, guys? We, we protect and care for our ladies, for our wives. We, we, we love them. God created us differently, and that's a good thing. Amen? God created us different. And brother, brothers, we, we honor our wives. We honor our wives. We, we compliment them and we encourage them regularly and often. Amen? In private, with our families, in public, we compliment our, our better half. We compliment them. We, we don't speak negatively about our wives. When we're with the boys, we don't complain. It's not honoring to our wife if we're, we're complaining with, with our buddies. Men, it means we have eyes only for her. It means we don't flirt with other ladies. It means we don't go, go hide out uh, in a room by ourselves with the internet on. We have eyes only for our ladies. We honor her with our eyes. We show our wives that we love her and that we're blessed by her. Spoil her. The, the, there's the, the five love languages, right? I had to write them down because I don't remember them. <laughs> Lord, help me. But we spoil. Um, the five love languages are, are words of affirmation, acts of service, uh, giving of gifts, quality time, and physical touch. Men, why don't we give all of them to our wives? Amen, ladies? <laughs> spoil, spoil our wife. Honor, honor our wives. And brothers, make sure your wife knows she's a, she's a treasured daughter of the king. She's a treasured daughter of the king. She's treasured by God and she's treasured by you. Make sure she knows that. 
And we see here in the end of our verse that we treasure her because our wife is an heir with us, an heir with us of the grace of life. If ever there was um, an idea that men would be superior to women, the Bible does away with it. It was was common thinking in Greco-Roman times in the ancient world that, that women were inferior. And the Bible constantly points to the fact that that's not true. And we see that even here that we're co-heirs together. We're heirs of the grace of Christ. That we are all men and women, equal before God, equally in need of Jesus as our Savior and Lord, and equally partners, serving God, living for God, honoring God together as husband and wife. We, we have the sweet opportunity to serve God with our wives, brothers. She, she serves with us. We serve a great God together. And we see here that we do so so that our prayers may not be hindered. The truth, brothers, is that if we're not living in a godly way, treating our lives in a godly manner, our relationship with God is out of whack. And what we even see here, to the extent that God won't even hear our prayers. If we're not treating our wives in a godly way, God won't listen to our prayers. He won't have time for our prayers if we're not right with Him. God wants our marriages to draw attention to Him. May we have marriages that draw attention to Him. Amen? I want my marriage to draw attention to God. Do you? I pray that we would, brothers and sisters. I pray that we would, would live uh, as God wants us to, as wives and as husbands. And, and we can't do it on our own, can we? And we, we, we fail and we fall in this so often, don't we? But praise God that there's grace in Jesus, there's forgiveness in Jesus, and we have his spirit to help us in this. As we, as we, we sing here after uh, the sermon, we're going to sing of how we're, we're forgiven through Jesus Christ, our King and our Savior. And, and may we sing as, as imperfect people, thankful for the hope that we have that we're forgiven in Christ. Thankful for the promise that, that when we have submitted to Christ, when we follow Him as our Lord and Savior, we have His Spirit in us that helps us to live out these hard truths, these, these unpopular truths of Scripture. He'll help us in this. So may we be uh, individuals, may we be a church that, that follows what God has for us in the Word. Amen? so that we would shine brightly for him, so that that our marriages would draw attention to Jesus Christ. Um, Would you join me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we um, just praise you and thank you for your word, Lord God. Um, As we even hear of um, uh, this this teaching that's that's not accepted or embraced in our culture, um, and even among um, many uh, Christians as well, we ask that you would help us to, to follow what you have in store for us in your word. Help us to be um, faithful to you. Help us to be uh, faithful to uh, our husbands and to our wives so that we would um, live in a way that, that pleases you, that draws attention to you, that um, lives as you would want us to, as you put forth for us. So Lord, give us soft hearts each and every day. Um, Help, uh, help uh, our, our wives to be 
um, submitted to the, the leadership that you've, you've put uh, upon us as men. And, and Lord, we, we confess that we are, are often bad leaders. We thank you too that you forgive us and that you help us and make us aware of that. We pray that you would help us as men to, um, to live and, and, and to care for and to um, submit to the call that you've placed upon us to, to care for our wives, um, to love them, and to um, show them uh, the love that they deserve. So help us in this, we ask, and just help us to be a body of believers who faithfully follows you and lives for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.